And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 134. It's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great as we do Poke the Bear uh, before the Nashville game on Thursday night. That will not matter for today's conversation. I'm sorry. It just won't. We're talking bigger picture stuff. Important things as we always do every week. And you know, the trade deadline's coming. It's coming quick. It's going to probably be the topic of most, if not all, of our podcasts up until uh, and after the March 3rd deadline. Uh, but an interesting thing I want to talk about at the beginning here, and one thing we haven't discussed much of is, and we'll touch on this a bit, is Don Sweeney. And it's an interesting thing because we haven't really discussed him much since the Mitchell Miller fiasco uh, back in, that was October now. That was, or was that beginning of November? It was October. It was November. November. It was November. November. Okay. So it was right in that beginning of the time. I try to block that out of my mind. Uh, I agree. But, but for this team, Pavel Zaka had another huge night uh, against the Dallas Stars in a 3-2 thrilling overtime win uh, on Tuesday night. And it begs the question, is Pavel Zaka the best steal that Don Sweeney has had so far? And you wrote about this for Boston.com. So, Connor, what do you think? Yeah, I think maybe you just look at what the overall return is. I can't really see how it wouldn't be him in terms of what you're getting from him and, again, what you had to give up. You, you look at other guys, and we can go down the list. If you look at uh, players the Bruins have acquired via trade that are now con- – Key contributors, Charlie Coyle, Taylor Hall, Hampus Lindholm, Pablo Zaka. Uh, Sweeney did a great job getting all those guys. You look at what the returns are of Eric Hall or Ryan Donato, Erovec uh, and Einan. Only one first-round pick out of all that, three second-round picks, a fourth-round pick that was conditional in the Coyle deal. They've done a very, very – Andrews Bjork. They've done a very, very good job in terms of acquiring guys, not only that help now, but also are part of this foundation for the future – without giving up a whole bunch. And again, I tweeted that out and immediately get pushed back with the prospects 2015 draft. We know about that. Like we are well aware that we can, we can talk about it. I think we've already discussed about the fact that um, if they had, they landed on one more first round pick in the 2015 draft, they probably went in, in 2019, right? Like we've already discussed that, but we've done that ad of, nauseum, by the way, but we've done this of, for years. Yes. In terms of this, you know, having this core in place and supplementing them with other key pieces um, without really relinquishing a, a lot in terms of critical value, critical assets. Um, you know, Sweeney is a lot of credit for what he's done in terms of adding to these guys. And you can look at a guy like, you know, Taylor Hall, his first year here, or Hampus Lindholm this year, and look at probably they're more important to the team. I mean, I think Hampus Lindholm was already regarded as a very good player has stepped it up completely was huge early on in the year. And I still think he's not going to win the Norris, but fun guy who's going to finish in the top 10, right? He's, he'll he's get well deserved for that. Sure. He's, he's been fantastic. But I think when you look at with Zaka, it's just what you gave up. Like for, for Lindholm, it was still a first two seconds. Like it was a, a pretty big haul in terms of prospects for Zaka. It's your, it's a situation where, it was a big haul off. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it, it's, it's one of those things where even if Zaka didn't take a huge step forward and became a guy that right now is on pace for 57, 60 points, which we can you know delve into, uh, even if he was the same Zaka we saw in New Jersey, it still would have, probably would have been a, a win for the Bruins. You're pretty much trading an asset 
asset in Hollow who was going to be a free agent at the end of this year, who probably maximized his value this previous season, was, you know, 32, was a guy that just wasn't part of long-term plans. All right, you flip that asset for a guy in Zaka who's 25. Yes, he was due a new contract, but younger, more versatile in what he could bring you and still had more of an offensive ceiling. If he ends up being a guy that gives you 15 goals, 30, assist, 30 points, sure. Like, that that's what you more or less were expecting out of Halla. Now you're acquiring a younger guy that, as we've seen so far this year, has a higher ceiling. Like, we see why the Devils, you know, viewed him as a, a top prospect when they drafted him. You're, you're seeing that talent, whether it's that shot that he still needs to – shoot more going on this year, but you saw that, I mean, he beat Jake Ottinger, who is a very, very good goalie, uh, not, you know, because he's a BU guy or anything like that. Very good goalie. Oh, no. Um, beat him clean. Uh, you look at his playmaking ability, his transition game, uh, two-way play, all that stuff. I mean, he's a guy that has elevated his game from being a middle six, you know, useful kind of Swiss Army knife guy to, at least this year, a legitimate top six forward. I mean, he's played so well with David Krejci and David Pasternak. It's pushed a guy like Taylor Hall, who's only a few years removed from the hot trophy down to the third line, right? Like, again, you can look at how Montgomery's mixed and matched those lines, but a lot of that has been prompted by how well Zach has fit in there. So I think when you look at what the asset was, a pure one-for-one swap with a guy like Hall, who wasn't going to be part of the Bruins' long-term plans, and now you have this guy in Zaka who this year could hit 60 points, which no one expected, and in the years ahead, whether it's a potential second-line center replacement or, at the very least, a still a very useful guy who can give you 40, 50 points, a great you know use of you know managing your assets correctly and getting a better uh, return for sure. So, yeah, you can look at many trades that Sweeney has done that have worked out very well, especially with the last couple of years. But I'd probably say Zaka, in terms of just what you gave up, uh, has brought back the best return. I mean, again, I think the beauty of it is they sold high. They sold when yeah. Hala was like at his peak. I think that was the most impressive part of it was, um, you know, it was a guy who clearly wasn't in the long-term plans. He was a nice short-term fix. He did a great job last year. I mean, no one it's like, oh, Pavel, you know, Eric Hala sucks. No, he was fine. He was good. We talked about him a lot last year. But they traded him at the right time. This is something that yeah. teams, not just the Bruins, consistently miss on. When you have a guy like Hala who is an asset that is at his peak that really doesn't have much left to give, but other teams might think he does and you don't really get anything for him. Um, and that happens so often, whether it be the Bruins or other teams, you can go across sports, the Red Sox, like that happens all the time and credit to Sweeney in the front office for doing that. Uh, I wouldn't put the Taylor Hall trade in any of this because that mm -hmm. was sort of a special scenario where like he only wanted to go to Boston. The, you know, Sweeney had the Sabres, you know, he could get them to do whatever they wanted. He wanted really. I mean, that was, Kind of a, you know, it's a good trade, but it was kind of on a silver platter. I don't know if I would put that, um, right. you know, I don't know if I would put that, you don't put that over the Zaka trade. Um, and even the, the, the contract extension looks good at the moment. Um, but again, I, you know, I, I want to play a little devil's advocate with you, Connor. I want to do a little pushback on this because Sweeney, again, I think Sweeney's done a fantastic job this year. I do. I think he has. I think he, he's been great, right? I think the Mitchell Miller thing brings him down a rung. You know, if he if he was initially going to get an A, maybe like a B plus, like it, it that brings it down a bunch. But for the team that's on the ice, he's had a really good year this year. Again, we've discussed everything that's happened before this year, but I think this year he's been great. But is there a little argument to be made? Again, the center depth is, you know, in the top six is thin beyond this year if Bergeron and Krejci do retire, which by the way, Bergeron and Krejci have not been playing 
amazing of late, which again, they're older guys that happens, you know, you hope that doesn't happen in April and May, but is there a case to be made that Coyle was looked at as a future top six center? He's not. Zaka's looked at as potentially a future top six center. We don't really know yet if he is or not, but if he isn't, is there a chance that you could go back on this trade and say, well, I mean, you know, and I'm, Again, I think that it's it's been a win already, but mm-hmm. Zaka was potentially acquired as a future top six center. And if he isn't, do you suddenly have, oh, well, Sweeney didn't give up a lot, but he also wanted to get two top six centers and he didn't. If Zaka doesn't become one, which I think he is on track to be one, but if he doesn't. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it comes down to just what the Bruins objective is and it's something you still have yet to de- determine. So I think you could even look at like Coyle and that, and that vacuum. Right of looking at his skill set and being a guy that I definitely think at one point in time they probably were viewing as a, a top six center. Is he? I think he's more of can be a stopgap when needed, but I think we all can agree that he's probably best utilized as your three C, and he's really good when he is your third line center. Right? Yeah. Like, there's no there's no harm in him being a guy that can really stabilize that bottom six, and he has tremendous value, especially uh, this season with the way he's played, especially defensively. Um, but yeah, it is something that it's almost like you don't want to give a full incomplete, um, you know, grade for Sweeney because it's still so much has, has yet to, you know, so many dominoes you have to fall, right? Whether it's, all right, when Bergeron and Critchie do retire, what's the game plan, right? It's something where I feel like it's not like these GMs and, you know, ownership groups and executives aren't just improving on the fly, but you just look at how much stuff falls right that opens up these opportunities, right? Like you look at Eric Hall, it was, Totally fine last year and what he brought to this team. But if you're the Bruins, all of a sudden you hear David Crazy interested in coming back. All right, that gives us the opportunity to then deal Eric Alla. We find an asset that has a higher ceiling that's younger that we think we can, um, you know, develop further in Zaka. And that situation falls on their lap. And it's a lot of it's because of David Krejci deciding to come back. So, um, again, if we look two, three years down the road and it is – Pavel Zaka at first line center and Charlie Coyle at 2C at, you know, 33 years old or what have you, then you might have an issue, right? Where it's like, all right, like you've surrounded a lot of talent, but you're kind of like the Golden Knights last couple of years. You've got a lot of talent on the wing, but nothing down the middle. Um, and the the framework of the roster is incomplete. If we look two years down the road and Bergeron and Krejci aren't here, but they've got a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois or Clayton Keller or someone else like that, and it's another great trade, then... Yeah, of course it, it works out. Is this team uh, still the cup contender they are now? No, but if Sweeney goes out and gets another legit top six center or they get a guy like Chikorin and you've got a decor with Chikorin, McAvoy, and Lindholm for the next couple of years, you can win with that group, right? Like you've got a foundation in place. So it's something where it's tough to like just paint Sweeney's handling this roster with a broad uh, brush or you look at just the way – things have fallen into place but if you had to sum it up in a sense or two it's just the fact that Sweeney's done a good job of complementing this current core that's been here for a while but also setting up that foundation for the years ahead are they still going to be as dominant as they are in a year or two but no but you're still going to be a very very good team when you got this structure in place so I think he's done a very very good job in terms of supplementing this team but again that center position is still the number one question right so we see how they kind of work uh through that in the years ahead if they win a cup, it doesn't matter this year. If they win a it cup also, this year. Yeah. So they win, none they of this cup, matters. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> it could be Zaka Coyle uh, by next year. If they win a cup, I think Bruins can accept that. Because you know what? You still have McAvoy and Lintome and Olmark and all these guys. Like they'll, You'll still be probably a playoff team. Will they be a contender? 
our top contender. Probably not with Zach and Coyle at the one-two punch, but you still have a lot of talent in place, and a lot of that has been a direct result of Sweeney winning quite a few trades. Bruins fans would still find a way to be pissed, though, next of November. Course, oh, like, yes. they'd still be pissed, you know? Like, even if they win the Cup, they'll still be uh, angry, I, I, which is why we I, love I think, you guys. I, I mean, I, really. I think, we've, I think we've talked about it before, Evan, that, like, the Bruins could win a Cup this year, and you know there'll be, like, a, a very, very small group, but there'll be someone who's like, man, they really should have won this core. It's like, man, just go on. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Go just to Duncan. Go to parade. Have some, have some fun time. Don't have to focus on that. But, of course, yeah. that's why Bruins fans are very passionate. So, uh, looking a little more on this current team, it is funny. Halla for Zaka. Even at the time, we knew that was kind of like a, a win. That was pretty obvious, I feel like, to most people. Not to New Jersey fans. They were pissed. They were like, you know, have fun with Zaka. He sucks. You know, missing the net all the time. You know, so... Um, anyways, uh, to this Bruins team, uh, the one big flaw of late and a big reason I think why they have uh, been in a funk, at least prior to Dallas, even with that, the Dallas game, they were not at their best uh, the power play. Ooh, not great of late. Is it over 20 now? Over 20. And it's I think I believe, the, I believe the esteemed Ty Anderson has a, a larger sample size. I think he said they're like three for 31. I want to say since mid January, not, not ideal. Evan, not great. No. Not great. Not great at all. And again, it kind of coincides with Bergeron, I believe, has zero points in his last six games. Uh, there's, you know, there's been a few things there at work. I think they're all hurting each other. I think they're all reasons for why it's not working out uh, as of late. Uh, I don't think any fixes are coming on the power play from the deadline. Uh, is it what will fix this, though? Well, one thing that could Thomas definitely help is getting <laughs> no. I think we've learned our lesson in that regard. I mean, one thing that could definitely help is getting Jake Depress back in the lineup. Uh, he will not play uh, against the Nashville Predators. Uh, they just announced. Uh, Jim Montgomery said uh, in its uh, pregame press conference. So Bruins will have to wait a little bit longer there. But I think Debrusque is still a guy that, especially when you look at usually what gets a power play, especially one like the Bruins out of whack. It's needing to simplify. Uh, get pucks to the net, bring the puck into great ice. And DeBrusque and his skill set, I think, really translates well to that, whether he, you know, he's not this guy that's going to have highlight reel goals in terms of, you know, dangling through guys. But what DeBrusque does well, can push the puck through the neutral zone, uh, can hover around great ice, gets those rebounds, recovers pucks, feeds them back up to the point. Just little things that, again, it seems like it's second nature, but when you're power play is kind of in a rut or you're ex- not executing the right way. Having a guy like DeBrusque and his skill set uh, back out there, I think can help tremendously. So I think that's something that uh, probably stands at the forefront. They've tried a couple of different guys in the net front. I think even Felino had a look uh, against Dallas and it unfortunately did not help. Uh, so I, I think the most important thing is someone like DeBrusque back there, but then it's whether it's changing the personnel up high. So, from McAvoy, do you go with a guy like Lindholm, where they had some success early on in the year when McAvoy was on the shelf? You look at a guy like Grizzlick, maybe. Uh, um, I think that could be the next option. Because, again, you're not moving Bergeron, Marchand, uh, Pasternak off that power play. You know, even if they're in a rut, you know all it takes is one, you know, one time. Give them time. Give them time. So, yeah, they, they will be fine. You, let, let them cook, as you say. These let days. them cook. Yes. <laughs> but So I think you look at the other two areas. It's got to be the net front where DeBrus you know, the logical uh, fit there and then up high. So I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Lindholm maybe gets another look. A guy like a guy like Jacob Chikrin would do pretty well there where he's actually got a pretty good shot. But we discussed that <laughs> on Bruins beat. But 
Uh, I think those are the two areas. And you look at uh, where exactly those guys fit. It's not like I think they need to acquire a guy, you know, Timo team, team Meyer just to fix the power play. Maybe you have the talent on this power play and you have guys at the bumper, the half wall uh, already. But whether it's up high or a net front option, which I think the brust will fit right in there. Again, it's a pretty, pretty bad slump. Like, it's not even just the fact they're not cashing in and pucks are hitting off the post, what have you. Like, they're getting stopped at the blue line. They, they've really been out of sorts. But enough talent there that I still don't think you're hitting the – you're raising the alarms, right? They will sort themselves out, but it might be just a few tweaks in the personnel up front and uh, across the blue line. And as you said, I think once DeBrus gets back, even if the power play continues to be in a slump, you'll still get those dirty goals and can kind of bring yourself out of a slump. The beauty of a slump is you can get out of it. So they have the talent to do it. It's going to happen at some point. Speaking of talent, this is a fun one. Uh, The Bruins have been a team uh, that has been linked by a lot of people to Vladislav Gavrikov, a defenseman with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who's kind of like... I don't know. I mean, they're not similar players at all, but like the Walmart version of Jacob Chikrin uh, at this deadline where it's like, oh, you know, if you don't get Chikrin, you can get Gavrikov and mm-hmm. you can add some depth. Uh, there was a tweet. Chris Johnston inside of trading says there is some sticker shock on the price for Gavrikov uh, and CBJ is not budging on their ask. They'd like three draft picks, a first, a third and a fourth. And if you have been on Twitter at all the past couple of days, you've seen the uh, bad underlying analytics to Gavrikov uh, in his game, which, again, I think attributes it's not just that Columbus is a bad team. I think Gavrikov is just not worth a first, a third and a fourth. Um, You know that at some point there's going to be a team out there that says, you know what, we really need a left shot defenseman who's six foot three. Uh, We're going to do this. Pray that it is not your Boston Bruins, uh, who are a team that some are, you know, Linking to Gavrikov. Uh, I hate this. I hate yeah. this. Um, this better not happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it just harkens back to the whole thing about you weigh the Bruins approach. And I think you can make the argument, of course, for a depth defenseman or a, a, a bottom six forward that can fill in right away, right? Like you could use yes. another seven defenseman. You could use uh, Nick Bukestad or someone else like that that adds a little bit more of a scoring punch in the bottom six and they can fit in right away. That makes sense. If you're adding a starting defenseman uh, to this group, it's got to be worth it. And it's got to be worth the right price. And if you're paying a premium, it better be an impact player, right? Like we already talked about this with Chikorin, where people are probably pushing back at the fact that it might be two first round picks and a Lysel Alori. Uh Yes, Chikorin's a great player, but also you're probably then moving what? Are you moving a guy like Grizzlick or Fulbert out of the rotation? Are you going with seven defensemen and cutting into their minutes? Like, you don't really have like a weak link, I would say, in your starting, you know, defensive core right now, right? Like you can make the argument about, of course, like in the playoffs or Forbert or what have you, but still, you're pretty much all set there. Like you're, if you're adding someone uh, as a starting defenseman, it is a luxury and one that if you're paying for it, if it'll be a guy that's really going to elevate your group, I don't know if Gavrikov fits that, especially when you look at the price, right? Like we, we've talked about this before, Evan, that he's kind of physical. Uh, defensemen always have a, a pretty wacky market, whether it's, uh, you know, Ben Sherrod last year, David Savad, who like went for a first round pick. If you're, I mean, I, I don't get what the, the asking price is for Gavrikov because he kind of fits that that mold of those players, but he's a guy that, are right, you giving him a first, two more picks? And I think it was Chris Johnson or maybe it was uh, someone else mentioned that Gavrikov has no interest in talking about an extension. 
Yes, that was the other thing. That was the. It was like all right. So already, if you're let's say the Bruins don't want Chikorin, but they settle for Gavrikov, so you're bringing in this guy that you're probably pushing a useful asset like Forbert or Grizzly out, uh, and you have no guarantee that he's uh, you know that he wants to sign here. He wants to go to market and probably cost more than you probably are willing to spend uh, after what could be a very promising playoff run for this team. It's just you look at what the alternatives are, whether it's focusing instead on an actual, you know, legit piece like Chikrin who is signed long-term and is an upgrade or a guy that might be cheaper, like a, a Luke Shen or someone like that. I mean, Luke Shen was what the reported asking price is a third round pick and a prospect. It probably will be more than that. I wouldn't, I'd be shocked if he doesn't go for a second or hell, even a low first, because that's just a guy that so many players or teams covet, but Shen at least makes more sense. If it's one draft pick for a guy like that, that can be a seventh D or a guy that can, uh, push for minutes on the right side makes sense. You look at just Gavrikov, the fit, the asking price, the not you know the willingness not to negotiate a contract. I just don't see it for the Bruins. You hear them link to him all the time, but I just look at what the the cost is going to be plus the long term outlook. I just don't see it, which means he's going to get traded as we finish this podcast. But I, yeah, I don't see it, Evan. <laughs> I have a feeling. Uh, I'm going to take you back to the 2021 trade deadline uh the weird covid year remember the defense when the bruins went out and got mike riley and you know what's funny connor i remember a lot of us having to look up who mike riley was he was not a name that if memory serves i don't believe i ever saw a rumor that linked uh riley to the bruins he was kind of an under the radar puck mover from ottawa and he came in and was like a a great fit i know now it's kind of soured and he you know there's not really a spot for him, but at the time that was a great ad, right? And the, I think the price was a third round pick. It was not, it was not much. My guess is the Bruins go out and get a defense, a depth defenseman who no one's looking at, who no one is paying any attention to, who is an under the radar kind of guy who they don't have to give up much for, who I don't remember if other teams were in on Riley at the time, but someone who other teams are not super in on. That'd be my guess. Cause that's at least, Harkening back to the history that Sweeney has had. I mean, even Charlie Coyle, that trade, I don't think Coyle was a guy many had their eyes on um, as a trade no. Um, A lot of, I mean, you know, there's obviously the Rick Nash deal and Hampus Lindholm. Um, but a lot of these deals have not been top of the radar guys, the main guys yeah. at each deadline. So I don't expect, it would be unlike Sweeney to overpay for a an asset like Gavrikov, um, which is why I don't think they end up doing it. Now, as you yeah. said, this podcast will drop <laughs> and it'll happen, right? But I I I just don't it doesn't fit in line with what Sweeney's done in the past. Um for something like Gavrikov. And the price is so damn high. I mean, my yeah, God. It's wild. I saw that that tweet from Chris Johnson. I was like, and then to add on top of this, it, like you're Gavrikov. already already not a very good team. Like, why are you and then like to, trying to overpay on what you're, you're selling these assets for? And then for Gavrikov to then say, yeah, I don't want to discuss an extension at all. Like, oh, you're just making yourself super untradeable. You're going to be in Columbus mm-hmm. forever, my friend. So um, interesting stuff all the way around over there. Uh, but we'll see what happens. The deadline is fast approaching and teams are making moves. What will the Bruins do next? Uh, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered, again, every step of the way, whether it's uh, game reports, columns, features, uh, looking at the trade market. Uh, we had a, a breakdown on uh, Jacob Chikrin earlier this week, um, which a lot of people read. So thank you to all of our uh, loyal Bruins fans. And, uh, you know, I had a story on Zaka 
again, every step of the way, we'll have you covered over at Boston.com. Not just Bruins, but everything, whether it's Celtics, Patriots, Red Sox, everything that's uh, happening in Boston sports, you can find over at Boston.com. So please uh, read over there. You want to follow me on Twitter? You can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go to all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 